0: On this edition of 43rd and Woodland, we plan to have a two-part series to discuss a very relevant topic that truly impacts everyone, and that is the bane of everyone's existence, finances. Today, we will sit down with Fiona Barty, who has witnessed the importance of personal finances firsthand and lessons she has learned from it. Then, within a few days, we plan to sit down with one of my best friends, Brent Greenlee who has a degree in economics and has held a few jobs within the financial industry in New York. And he will sit down to provide us with some of his own tips to success on how to approach personal finances.
1: So we are sitting down right now with Fiona, and we're excited to be able to, to finally wrangle you. It took us a while. <laughs> how are you, Fiona?
2: I'm great. And you know, good things are worth the wait.
1: <laughs> you're, you're very Thank right. Thank for having us. So let's get started. Fiona, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your experiences at U Sciences and what you've been doing since then.
2: Sure. So as I've been graciously introduced, my name is Fiona. I went to U Sciences and graduated in 2016 along with Jared. I did study something a little bit untraditional for the, I guess, the U Sciences culture and way of life. I studied psychology there and it was actually really a great place to do so because of its smaller classroom environment and and focus on research. And so I studied psychology and I minored in forensic science during my time there. And it was a cool experience. I was the first person to do that combination. So I helped create a way that it would make it seamless for other students that studied psychology to try to get into harder science as a minor. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty exciting to be a part of. And it was, it was great. It was hard. I think any youth sciences student will tell you that it's a rigorous curriculum and it's a regular school, but I think it really does set you up for success.
1: That's awesome. And I should note as well that I was also not necessarily the most traditional of majors at U Sciences as a humanities major. So we have that in common as well. There are a lot of awkward people at U Sciences that come out of there, (laughs) and we should be proud of it.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't say awkward. I I think creative. I took this the traditional approach and, and didn't think outside the box like you guys did. So kudos to you.
1: Well, it's also a pharmacy schools. Yeah. Can't
2: yeah. yeah. It, it, and it was marketed as such. I actually um, yeah. I started visiting these sciences when I was a sophomore in high school. That's right. So I went. Yeah, I went back in 2010 before Glasser mm-hmm. was built. And I remember walking on campus and my tour guide being like, it's kind of like the Big Bang Theory. Oh, and you're going to get glass in a year. And I was like, wow, um, I'm too young to go here yet. (laughs) But it was a a really cool experience. And and just hearing firsthand from that tour guide what the culture was like going into the school and the opportunities there was really interesting. I mean, it was my first choice from from then on. I was like, other schools meant nothing to me (laughs) after. It was pretty valuable.
1: Nice. That's awesome. So, and what have you been up to since you graduated?
2: So I actually moved to, again, another place where I knew no one. Because when I came to Philadelphia, I, I didn't have any friends or family that lived there. So that was a whole transition of itself. So I decided to do it again for grad school, um, and I moved to Alexandria, Virginia, right outside of D.C., and I went to George Washington University for a master's in forensic psychology. So I came here to further my education and hopefully my career, and it worked out. I got a job, (laughs) and it was actually (laughs) very lucky. So part of my grad program, we had to have an internship or an externship experience in order to get that shiny diploma. And Mm -hmm. I, by chance, happened to take this course called Investigative Psychology. And Mm -hmm. it was taught by the chief of the behavioral analysis unit at the United States Marshal Service. And he was telling us about internship opportunities. And I was like, "Um, yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) So I I sent in my application, and even when you submit your application to like a specific branch within the agency, it kind of goes into this general pool of folks, right. and I got reached out to by the lead statistician of the Investigative Operations Division. He gave me a chance at the internship, and while I was there, I must have done good enough because they <laughs> urged me to apply for a contracting position and then I worked for that team until about a couple of months ago, well, six months ago now, where I switched branches with a recent promotion. But, yeah, so that's kind of how ha- it happened, a whirlwind. Uh, but I'm a government contractor and supporting the United States Marshal Service Fugitive Mission.
0: Wow, that's truly incredible, Fiona. I mean, it sounds like hopefully you're not leaving anytime soon. <laughs> Don't want to be jumping all <laughs> <No>. over the place <laughs>
2: No, no, I'm I'm very happy with what I'm the branch I'm currently supporting. And it's pretty fulfilling to do something where you feel like you have an active role in helping people. It's just in a different way than I initially expected going into psychology.
0: That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, that is great. And so and I know with, as you heard with the title of the podcast, the bane of everyone's existence, finances. So I guess a quick question is kind of going into finances now, now that you've been out of school for a few years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, has has your finances, in a sense, changed from being a student, um, just because I just graduated in May, and I know it's been a, a, a complete 180 for me. So I guess, how has it been for you now being out in the field for a few years?
2: Oh, yeah, I would 100% agree that it's a 180 shift. <laughs> and I think it's a shift in mindset when you're still in university in a college setting. I feel like sometimes you treat your finances very reactively. You're just mm-hmm. like, oh, hmm. Mm. I guess I I, I can't do this now because I just spent all this money on dominoes again. And now (laughs) we're going to have to figure out like what to do about this. And you have to get like a little bit creative, but it's a very reactive responsive approach to finances, I think. And even Mm. back then I I did have a a spreadsheet where I would, I would calculate where my money was going, but I I think I, I can be the first to admit that, you know, my, 18-year-old, 19-year-old brain was like, it's out of my control, and yeah. took no ownership. <laughs> and um, that definitely changes <laughs> when you're outside of college and you're in the quote-unquote real world where mm. you can definitely be more proactive about your finances and you can be in control of them even when life circumstances are outside of your control. It's just a shift in your mindset and in the way that you approach it. But um, yeah, no, it changed dramatically.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it. I never thought of my finances as reactive while I was in college, but like putting it that way kind of makes sense. I'm pretty sure I don't I don't remember if it was you necessarily, but I remember someone who very much actively would buy dominoes all the time. Like It was <laughs> it was. Yeah, I think it was you.
2: I was she. There was, she. <laughs> there was always ownership. pizza. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm surprised it was Domino's. Yeah. You. It was like insomnia cookies for me. Like, that was the go-to, especially once you yeah. got to Philly. Billy.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Well, they were yeah. so kind and generous being yes. open until 3 a.m. They um, were, and the cookies were always like they really cared more. about you.
1: Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah, they knew they that were. you were going through something, and they just wanted to make yeah. it a little bit better. <laughs>
2: and they did, didn't they? That's a good point, too, is I, I don't think we should, like, guilt ourselves for indulging a little bit. I think that's mm-hmm. where... um us as like the younger generation of millennials will hear that story told, Oh, you can't afford a house because you're eating an avocado toast. And I think that we shouldn't be so hard on ourselves with, in terms of enjoying life a little bit, but I think you can also find cheaper or free alternatives to doing things as well.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point, really. Yeah. So, Tell me Fiona what was it like living in DC is a lot different than Philly I'm sure for a, for a number of reasons. We're in DC a, a couple of times a year and you know we can probably afford to stay there maybe like a, a week max before we realize all right maybe it's time we start heading up north again. <laughs> Tell me what yeah. it's been like to have that kind of transition financially to move from Philly to DC and you know how that that's kind of affected the way that you balance things out?
2: Yeah, that's um, that's a great question. And I think it's a good point too for any fellow UCI folks that move outside of a re- financially reasonable area to live in. The DC metro area is one of the most expensive places to live in this country. And it is definitely a huge shift. I think I was living in a place near Center City for 625 a month mm-hmm. when I was, and I would go to like, writing terminal market and life would be great. And I move here and you're lucky if you find a place for a thousand a month in rent. So it's a huge shift in the way that you approach money and the way that you see the value of a dollar because the dollar goes away a lot quicker here over things that aren't necessarily that you are actively paying for you're not shopping as much, <laughs> like you're not doing this to yourself. You're not eating out all the time, but you're recognizing that utilities cost more, rent costs more, transportation costs more, and it's just the fact of life here. And I think what's good about it is that once you're here, you also do get paid more. So it is just an right. increased standard of living overall. So it's just about I guess, reformatting the way that you think about how much you get paid a year and where Mm. that money actually goes as opposed to just living in, I guess, Philadelphia was a pretty reasonable place to live in. And I definitely didn't struggle as much to make ends meet there versus Mm. here. Lots of people have multiple jobs. So it's just about realizing what your reality is. (laughs) Right. um, What you can actually afford?
1: Yeah, it would have been a really great opportunity to have Nam on an episode. This episode specifically, because I talking to him after an alumni panel the beginning of the year, Mm -hmm. and I believe he already has moved to California. And uh, you know, an amazing opportunity to work out there. Insane money compared to here. I mean, like crazy. Mm -hmm. But I think he's living in San Diego, and so. Wow. Yeah. You know, Fiona, to your point, the same thing, he's making a higher salary, but the level of expense and the quality of life and affordability out there is so incredibly high, that it still kind of balances out. I think, you know, like Fiona, you just said, you're lucky if you find a place that's 1000 a month, I think in his area, it's probably like Mm 3500. Yeah, so it's it's, kind of wild.
2: It, 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 and it is difficult to, to navigate, but I think that humans were resilient, you know, and if you're put in this situation where there is no other option, you adapt. It's hard and it might take a long time, but we do have the capability to adapt to the circumstance and to deal with it, you know, make ends meet, do what you have to do. And even if that means changing the way that you like get your groceries, or where you shop your groceries. There's cheaper grocery stores out there. There's also apps where you can download your receipts so you can get some cash back or make points. Mm. There's other resources out there that you can take full advantage of in order to make that situation and that transition a lot easier on yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that, Fiona, because, I mean, it's, it's also tough in a sense of where when you go from one lifestyle to another... Like you said, you can't be ordering Domino's all the time in Washington, D.C., unless you still do. I don't know if you do or not. Um, I guess great, yeah, I know. I wish I could. I could end up here. That <laughs> sounded cookies. Where where you at. I need you. But you <laughs> bring up a great point, though, with resilience. And I think I'm starting to figure that out now, especially since I graduated in May and now have been working up in North Jersey since July. But the Question I guess I have is now that you've since you've been out of school for this time, what resources have you used or mistakes that you think you've made that you've learned not to do now moving forward? You can give individuals like myself that are just coming out of college advice on.
2: Oh, you make mistakes all the time. And I'll continue to make mistakes. And I think it's really important to not give yourself a hard time about it and to just learn from them and to welcome the mistakes because they're all growing opportunities. So when I first came down here, I guess I thought all of a sudden I was a produce girl. Like I thought literally (laughs) that I could go grocery shopping like every week because I was making substantially more money, like on paper. I was like, wow, oh, like right. look at this salary. Like it <laughs> blew my mind. Because Really? I definitely yeah. wasn't making that. I always had multiple jobs and I was working, I was just working at a restaurant before I moved down here and at a restaurant, you can make quite a lot of money fast, but Philly, it's like lower checks, you know, like for mm. whatever reasons it's not as much. And so seeing on paper, like what I got offered at my first position outside of getting out of college, I was like, wow, like I'm going to get me some lettuce. And like, you can, there's affordable (laughs) ways.
1: (laughs) Such a luxury lettuce. Really? (laughs) Salads all day. Yeah.
2: It, can't, it can be. Produce mm. is a lot more expensive than we think it was when we were growing yeah. up. Remember, you're a kid. You open your fridge and you see all these fruits and vegetables that your parents got. And right. and maybe you didn't eat it fast enough. You didn't eat your raspberries when you're supposed to. And maybe right. your parents got upset with you. And you're thinking, why are you upset? Maybe I don't really like raspberries like that. But mm. then as an adult, you realize, <laughs> because <they're> oh, expensive, <laughs> raspberries cost more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have They have good vitamins in them. Eat them. Um, So definitely, (laughs) that was the first mistake I made. I was like, I got too excited. I saw it on paper without really taking the time to assess where the money from those paychecks would end up going. I was like, oh yes, we can do this. And so I think one of the biggest things I learned is whenever you get a salary offer or you finally see your paychecks coming in, I think the most important thing you can do is to take that weekend Sit down, take a good, hard, honest look at your bank transactions. See where you're spending your money. See how often you're spending it for certain things. And be honest with yourself. Are there places where you can go for a cheaper alternative? Or is there sometimes unnecessary spending? And what you can do to reduce that. So I think that's my advice for for anyone coming out of college that gets their first job and is super excited to get paid is just be be honest and be proactive and, and really, really scrutinize your transaction history.
1: That's a really good yeah. point. I know that that was something that after I left U Sciences, I moved to Camden and uh, I moved in with my girlfriend. And that was one of the first things that we did to f- kind of figure out how much are we bringing in? How much are we yeah. pushing out? And really being able to balance, you know, OK, well, we might not be able to eat out every week like we used to while we were in college, because we've got a car note now, or we've got to pay for electricity, which is theft. But, you know, all of those things are are real. And I very much appreciate the the produce segue as well. If anyone out there understands the struggle of buying produce, especially every week, it can get to you. But they are great. I,
2: I actually changed my, my way of, of grocery shopping. And um, oh, it fits my me. lifestyle better now. Yeah, so I'm more of like a frozen vegetables girl now. I've changed That's my fun. mindset, but there's some, some beauty in frozen vegetables. It still has all the good things that you want to have in your vegetables, it lasts longer. I only go grocery shopping once a month now, mm-hmm. I have a $100 budget. I Mm -hmm. use coupons like you wouldn't believe. I look like a (laughs) mad woman in line. And it's much more affordable. These things last for a long time. And I meal prep for the week for my lunches. Mm -hmm. So you just have to be honest with, okay, how much do I eat in a day? Where am I eating my food? Am I getting breakfast, lunch, dinner? And plan for that and coordinate it that way. And there's plenty of people that eat produce and still manage it and because there are affordable options to do it there's farm shares well it depends on what area you live in i guess but look up if there's a farm share in your area because that can be a really affordable way to get massive amounts of produce for really cheap and you pay a monthly subscription it's like getting a magazine but with food so, right. so look that up and hopefully that helps somebody listening if they're still mm-hmm. like i want my lettuce okay yes. Right.
0: So. <laughs> Yeah, no, seriously. I mean, I'm a host. I never even heard of that before. So I'm I'm writing that one down. So thank you for sharing that, Fiona.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, no problem.
1: So we've talked about finances a little bit more broadly, things that we can do to focus on saving and, and being more efficient. But part of the reason that we had asked you specifically to join us on this episode was because of the the government shutdown that happened at the beginning of this year. It was really eye-opening for me, I think, just in terms of numbers alone. You had a government shutdown for 35 days. You had over 800,000 federal employees affected by the shutdown. And one of the most staggering facts that I had found out through all of this, listening to podcasts, listening to the radio stations, the fact that there was a survey done, I think, by the IRS 80% of the people that were surveyed were asked, if you had lost your job today, would you be able to pull $400 together to get you through the next month? And 80% of those people said no. And that blew my mind, you know, to think about the fact that four out of five people that you bump into Mm -hmm. probably don't have enough money saved up to be able to sustain themselves or their families for more than a couple of weeks. So I know that, Fiona, you and I conversed quite often as the shutdown was going on. Tell me what it was like to experience that, just kind of generally what that did for you as a young professional working for or, you know, on behalf of the, the federal government and what that meant financially.
2: Yeah, it was it was an incredibly difficult time because of how fast it came about with no real warning The day before it happened, it was like the last day of that week. And I remember my boss on the floor was like, oh, I'll see you Wednesday. And I was like looking at the news. I was like, maybe. Um, (laughs) It was incredibly difficult because his senior leadership on our floor, even he had no idea whether or not the shutdown would happen. None of us had any idea of how long it was going to be. And we also got very little guidance in the beginning of it because of Mm -hmm. how uncertain it was. So it was really difficult. So in addition to all those federal employees that were affected, there was actually 1.2 million contractors that were affected by the shutdown. And those numbers weren't accurately reported until the end of the shutdown. We Mm -hmm. were like missed from the general conversation, but we were, we were hit just as hard. Mm -hmm. So, Basically, there were certain folks that were deemed non-essential, and so we couldn't come into work, and we weren't going to get paid. And as a contractor, it wasn't put into legislation that I would ever receive the pay for that back. time period. Yeah, back pay legislation. Mm-hmm. Even though I got the salary letter the beginning of my job, that money wasn't ever going to come to me. And so it was two paychecks that I've missed, And it was difficult. I remember getting a a letter from my contracting company that stated that I had to wait until January 7th before looking for another job. Because Mm. I guess the guidance was at the time, contractually, that I couldn't look for another job. Because I guess the guidance was, oh, the the shutdown will end by then. It'll be fine. You'll be fine. (laughs) But then come January 7th, we had the opportunity to look, look for another job or file for unemployment or do both. I mean, you have to look for another job if you file for unemployment. And they also had an option with our insurance company to forego paying for it in order to get that money back for one last paycheck. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I, I did have somewhat of a savings that I had started. So I was like, okay, well, I think I can do rent, <laughs> mm. but I think I have to take this offer to cease my insurance for a little bit here. Because right. I was making a paper trail for jobs and I was applying to like, anything and everything. But then when you think about it, there were so many other contractors also applying to everything and right. anything, and yeah. all of DC was affected. So businesses were slowing down. People weren't hiring because what are we going to pay you with? People aren't right. coming to restaurants, they're not eating out. So it was also like a hiring freeze sort of just because of the circumstance so many people rushed to get jobs they got them and there were times where I would show up to a business and they'd be like sorry we already hired some people so (laughs) and I was like oh (laughs) and then it got to the point where I could no longer afford to go out in person and apply to jobs so I only did it online and Mm -hmm. so I ceased my insurance and at the time I had a lot of medical debt that resurfaced because Mm -hmm. The insurance stopped. And so I guess they rescinded their payment. And so now I was hit with not just, oh, can I pay rent with this negative money I got coming in? Mm-hmm. I was also like, oh, and now I have thousands of dollars in medical bills that my insurance company decided they're not paying for anymore. Wow. And that was a story that I heard by a lot of people during the mm-hmm. shutdowns that happened to a lot of us. I went to a rally for it. And I talked to many people that were affected from different agencies. And mm. it was a common story that a struggle with insurance as well. So it was another layer <laughs> in there. Right. Yeah. So it was very difficult to not be able to land a job during that time. So I figured I, I did the only thing I could do at the time where I felt that I could do. Mm. And it was just, I had to get creative. So that's when I was looking up resources like, how do I make money taking surveys online? And mm-hmm. things I came up with, it's slow to make money, very slow earning. But when mm-hmm. you think about how much time we spend just browsing the internet mindlessly, yeah. you, I, like you mean to tell me that now I can make points for doing that? Wonderful. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm not changing my behaviors at all. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, I also... I was like, oh, I have some old artwork. Let me sell it on this site called Zazzle. Let me do that. So I did that, just finding multiple streams of revenue somewhere because I wasn't getting hired. And I didn't get hired, actually, until the shutdown ended. And I did take that job so I could make back the two paychecks that I lost. And then I just kept that job (laughs) because that's Mm -hmm. how it works sometimes until I got my promotion. So actually, until a month ago, I was working seven days a week. So wow. and now I'm like, Oh, I only have one job. I'm free.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. You've got all the time in the world.
2: Now. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's, it's one of those things where when you have a lot of student loan debt, you have this little battle in your head. You're like, mm, Do I aggressively pay off student loans? Or do mm-hmm. I actually take the time to make a rainy day fund? And I think a lot of us are like, let's tackle these loans. So we right. completely neglect the other conversation and we just think that something wouldn't happen to us. And then when it does, that's when it's like, oh, <laughs> well, this right. is something I should reassess. So yeah, right. I, I agree. A lot of us were not prepared.
0: Fiona, that's, that's truly incredible. I mean, it kind of just goes back into that resilience piece in a sense of just just being able to to withstand that. And we talked a little bit earlier about how you were able to figure out these resources and, and talk about getting getting frozen vegetables instead of, instead of your lettuce, but was anything really just a big shock where you had to quickly adapt when you had the shutdown happen?
2: I think it actually, it sort of happened, but later on, as a result of that decision I made to cease my insurance, it was kind of like an aftermath of the shutdown. So the shutdown yeah. only lasted 35 days, but the aftermath of the shutdown, I think for people that went through it would argue that stayed for a lot longer. And so mm-hmm. I did have to actually scramble because I had emergency surgery the year prior. And so that in and of itself was like, Oh my God, well now I have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. But I had that a year prior and you think it's in the past you've already dealt with all those bills. But when my insurance decided, no, we're not paying anymore and I had to be on the phone with them every day and i'm like hey are you watching the news about the shutdown it was hard to try to negotiate with them about hey but i wasn't sure at the time i got surgery so technically you have to pay and i wasn't well versed enough in the legalities of it so i Mm -hmm. didn't know no you have to pay so i got emergency medical bills that came out of nowhere over the course of a year it just continued happening i was like oh radiology huh They're coming for me now. So it continued to happen where I was like, okay, now I have to scramble and reassess on the fly. And it's just about, okay, well this month we're going to have to be extra stringent and Mm. having a little bit more discipline with yourself. But yeah, I think that happens to a lot of people and it will probably continue happening until you can really get a handle on a rainy day fund.
1: Yeah. Wow. So Fiona, is there any advice that you would want to give to current students or students who are just now kind of entering the workforce, like Sean mentioned, things that you have learned uh, thus far uh, that you would want to share with them?
2: Sure. Um, so I just think it's really important for uh, new grads to recognize that they are going to be making mistakes. There are going to have some setbacks that happen in life. Sometimes it's outside of of your control or or your understanding. But just know that you have the tools already within you to deal with those circumstances and to learn from them. And to just ask for help, get a support system around you, research resources, and. Just know that life is all about the continuation of knowledge. Just because we graduate doesn't mean that we don't continue to learn. We just learn different things. And I think we have more valuable life learning experiences ahead of us.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, much Fiona. Yeah, I can definitely say I'm, I'm learning a lot just from being out in the field for just four months. So I can't wait to learn learn a lot more as well from just a financial standpoint. But as I don't know if Jared alluded to you, I don't know if you've listened to our previous podcast, but something that we do at the end is, especially alum, is that we ask them to kind of share a memory, and I know there's a lot of memories that you probably have from U Sciences. but we ask our guests to, to share one memory that they had at U Sciences or one of their favorable memories.
2: It's, it's, it really is so difficult, because it was like four years of just a world of experiences yeah. and yeah. meeting new people and making lifelong friends. And it's just accumulation of just being in that environment and, I, I guess, just getting such a, such good life skills just from being at U Sciences and having that kind of that rigorous study culture and everyone's so serious there but also knows how to have a good laugh and just have a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. So I think just the simple times of having late-night talks at Starbucks and going for walks around Whitman Cemetery, honestly, was mm-hmm. a good experience for me. So I think it's it's really hard to make it all down to one experience, and I think that's a terrible answer, but <laughs> that's <laughs> what we got.
1: <laughs> no, that's a great answer.
2: Yeah, no, I am so fond of my memories at Youth Sciences. My current boyfriend... Went there as well, mm-hmm. and I, I remember I, I met him back then, and we were friends when we both went there. Um, right. We didn't, you know, get together until like five years later. But you know what? It's better late than never. You know what they say? Yeah,
1: love <laughs> finds a way.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> hey Jared I feel like we're like having a little connection here. I mean, with Samarth, the last podcast, saying that he found his fiance, at you signs not Fiona. Like, what are, are we like subliminally messaging something? <laughs>
2: Yeah, DMing.
0: Yeah, Yeah, DMing. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, yeah I think um, we used to have very late night conversations at that Starbucks where I swear I got my degree in because that's all I studied. That's yep. all I studied at yep. sciences was Starbucks. So Starbucks, they own my bachelors. So I remember having lots of late night conversations with them and then, you know, randomly it was just like a DM about an old conversation we had. And, you know, the rest is history but I, I do agree with what your friend said it could be the next ad about yeah. dating like, <laughs> you your here. i think
1: we should do like wow. a little ad we take a break in between our episodes and just be like have you found the love of your life at you <laughs> are you still waiting for yours <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go to you sciences
0: i think I that, that
2: was money. my first bonus on call actually the first donor that i was talking to he went you use sciences when it was just called PCP. Right. So I was supposed to call it PCP, but I called it PCP and S, and it was a whole big thing. But yeah. oh. he, he told me he met his wife at the general chemistry lab, and he still base on her um, her lab coat, and it, like, burned through. And I was <laughs> like, and she dated you after that? Right. <laughs>
1: wow.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: Yeah. So it happens. <laughs> it, it does.
1: It happens a lot, I think, a lot more frequently than, than we think. hear those stories that's Mm -hmm. funny alright I think that'll do it for us I really appreciate it
2: thank you for having me again
0: yeah again Fiona we can't thank you enough for taking the time to sit down with Jared and I and telling us as well as our entire audience that's listening out there your story we truly do appreciate it and Jared I don't know about you but I've really after listening to Fiona's experience it truly shows that this situation can happen to anyone at any given moment now don't worry For the audience out there that's saying the same thing as me and ask yourself this, well, how do I ensure I understand my personal finances? And how would I proactively prepare for something like this if it were to happen to me? Well, look no further. Tune back in to our next episode where, again, my best friend Brent Greenlee will provide his insight on how to manage your personal finances. Thank you again. We hope to see you next time.